Welcome to the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast. We're growing men who fear the Lord, but do not fear our identity in Christ. The enemy is hard at work in our fallen world. So come on, join us in fighting for the restoration of men's hearts through the church, the word, and our risen Savior, Jesus. Ephesians 1.6 To the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. Colossians 1.13 For He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. Mark 1.11 And a voice came out of the heavens, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Awesome, Chica. And we're back, Rediscovering Biblical Manhood, here to wrap up The Prodigal Son. This is our final episode. How are you this week, my man? It's been a couple of weeks between episodes, but I am feeling good and really looking forward to wrapping this up. I think you're an official small business owner now, aren't you? (laughs) Let's not get too giddy here. Yeah, there's been a lot going on, listeners. And for those of you that have maybe even missed Jay and I coming back on the pod, uh, we've had a couple of more transitions in our lives. And uh, with Jay, the CEO, traveling the country and me starting a brand new adventure, uh, we can't wait to share more over future episodes. Yeah, it's going to be great. Well, we're here to wrap up this series. We're going to be talking about the beloved son today. We've been discussing the parable of the prodigal son and what this has to do with biblical manhood. And this is a very, very important parable in the ministry and life of Jesus as it really explains God's heart and what he's after. And so we started with the younger brother, the actual prodigal son, and then we went through the older brother who we we discovered was also prodigal in his own way, even though he had never left home. And then we talked about the heart of the father and what the father wanted. So just as we recap a little bit, you know, let's take a look at the way the younger brother and the older brother really aren't that different. And this series, we chose to do this. I've been, I've been on a year-long journey with my youngest son, really trying to help him understand biblical manhood. And as part of that, we went to a great retreat in Montana over the summer. And we had an opportunity to really dig into the prodigal son. And, and when I came back, I said to Chica, well, we really got to talk about that on the podcast. And so quick recap here. It's really interesting to know that note that both sons, neither son, really wanted a relationship with their father, right? That's one thing they had in common. Both sons reject their father's authority. They besmirch his character in front of their culture. They dishonor him. Both sons reject the true love that the father is trying to show them. And both sons didn't recognize that they needed to receive from their father. Interestingly enough, both sons characterize themselves as slaves, slaves to the process. And think about our own modern language. I'm a slave to my job. I'm a slave to this. I'm a slave to that. They had both chosen to become orphans. And really, when you think back to the fall, that's what life in this broken world is about. We've been living with as orphans. And Christ's entire mission on the planet was bringing us back into sonship or daughtership, if you're a woman listening to this podcast, with God. You know, Jay, I think of growing up under the authority of my father, and I don't know, listeners, Jay, whether you've ever been or had your father coach you for an athletic team, 
um, or try to instruct you on how to do something. I mean, it, it almost feels natural that you're going to buck back against the system. And I love that you just state there that, you know, they, they didn't necessarily want to be associated with or under the authority of, uh, because I can even see now as, as my daughters grow towards that big number 18, not to say that they don't love me, not to say that they are bucking against me, but there are different situations where I'm like, huh, that's an interesting posture that you're taking right now. What's that about? Right. But then I put myself right back in there and did the exact same thing uh, when I was in the, in the teen years as well. And it wasn't until I was, you know, probably I think mid thirties when I'd had a couple of valleys within my marriage that I went back to dad and I repented and said, look, dad, I, I know I haven't told you this, but when you did this, it actually led me to this, which I'm now coming back around the corner to thank you. So I don't know, listeners, maybe that's a, a thing that pierces you straight away. Maybe that's a conversation you've got to have with your dad if, if he's still around or something that you need to chase down um, as, as, as a goal here in the coming year. Yeah, that's a big one. I certainly was very smart when my children were young. My children are all teenagers and very early adulthood. So currently I'm very stupid and I hope to be very, very smart again someday. <laughs> so <laughs> we will see. But this is a great point that you're making, which is we cannot live as biblical men. The entire point of this podcast, we cannot live as authentic biblical men until we learn to live as obedient and free sons of the Father. And that's what Jesus' entire point is. Jesus comes to say, I am the true older brother, lead you, back into, back into relationship with our Father. He's our true north. And when Jesus is not our true north, we are trying to do everything in our own power. But the challenge is as orphans, right? So when the fall occurs and Adam and Eve leave the garden, they are now dead spiritually to God. Just because we're living and breathing doesn't make us alive in the eyes of God. What makes us alive in the eyes of God is our spirit being alive and being born again, right? And so Jesus comes to restore to restore union with the Father in his first incarnation, to allow us to live as sons and daughters in the kingdom of God now, back in relationship. And of course, he's going to come again to restore all things. That's the Christian you know, doctrine in a nutshell. And, I, and so we've got to be able to accept that before we can live free. I take pause for a second, and maybe we should, Jay, when we, when we listen to when God announces, you know, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Like, when did that happen? It happened at the top end, at the very beginning, you know, God's declaring his love for his son at the outset of his public ministry, right? At, at his baptism, the dove, the dove dons, you know, Jesus's shoulder. And, and so the son is on earth. He is going to be put on a cross. But it's like God whispering or God announcing or maybe pronouncing to the world that, son, in all of the things that you're about to go face, never forget who you are. Never forget that I love you and never forget how proud I am of you. This is my beloved son with who I'm well pleased. Jay, what's your reaction to that as we kind of layer this out as what is God calling us as his sons and daughters to do based on what he announced to Jesus? Well, the Bible is very clear that we all have a mission in life. We all have a purpose that's been written in the book of life. And life on this earth is us discovering that purpose, not necessarily our profession or the thing that makes us money, 
why did God create us uniquely for the time we live and the place we live? Like there's a, we're, you know, we talk a lot about the the bigger story and the smaller story here. The bigger story is discovering that. And before you can discover that, you have to be restored to God. And I think part of what God was demonstrating in my mind there is he is demonstrating to the world, this is my fully restored son in whom I'm well pleased and, and who I'm laying this mission on. And he's going to go out and live his purpose, which is to bring us back into restoration so we can live as sons and daughters, not as orphans. So we can be in community, right? The body of Christ that Jesus calls it, um, that we can that we can use our a position of authority to enact our mission, our authority in the kingdom. And so, and then finally, that we can get the benefits of living as a son, as a son. Because think back to the very beginning, the son gets the ring, the son gets the sandals, the son gets the robe, the son gets the blessing of the father. He is allowed to do things in the kingdom that nobody else is allowed to do. If you think mm. of earth, earthly kings, even their wives couldn't come into the throne room without their permission, but their kids and their kids could tear through the kingdom and do whatever and live in peace and protection under their father's authority. And that's really what being alive in the kingdom of God is, is you get the full authority of Jesus when you're born again. I love that distinction you're making there between a son and daughter, because I was thinking, is this, when he says beloved son, is he saying the same beloved daughter? Well, he's not, right? He didn't use those words. And so I think that's a good call out where there's a separation there. You know, from my perspective and and my understanding and my relationship with Jesus, you know, Jesus, God, they, they love daughters. I mean, I have two daughters. You have two daughters, Jay. God doesn't not love daughters. Um, but with a daughter or from the daughter's perspective, I think that a good father like me, like you, we have to be there to model that idea of self-sacrificial masculinity. We have to teach her what it's like to be received and cared for by a Christ-like type of man. Um, but with the son, I think that there's almost like an edge there, right? A father, our father, our God wants more from us. He wants um, our sons to become men. And when he says, I want you as my son, um, he wants us to be learned, or he wants us to learn, should I say, the the idea of being the Christ-like head for the family and should shoulder that primary responsibility for his family. And so as dads, as, as I listen to the men around me talk and the men around um, my work talk that, that are also believers, it's this idea that we need to honor our wives. Um, but at the same time, we need to cultivate strength and gentleness in all that we do um, as a son or a beloved son that God is well pleased. Yeah, I mean, I really think this comes back to the fruit of the spirit. And when we look at the story of the prodigal son, so we see the challenges that both the older brother and the younger brother have. We've looked at our lives and said, sometimes I'm an older brother, sometimes I'm a younger brother. And this applies to women as well. Uh, girls go prodigal. So we could, you know, substitute daughter for son in this story. And what is it we're trying to accomplish? We have to work things out, right? We have to release a bunch of stuff so that we can then receive what God is offering to us. And we can move from an older brother or a younger brother, wherever we find ourselves right now, to a beloved son, to a beloved daughter. That takes us from slavery, freedom, and that allows us to wrap up with what you said, then we can go from a boy to a man. Because when you're stuck in below, if you're stuck in being an older brother or a younger brother, you're not operating in biblical manhood. 
And you can't get to biblical manhood unless you get that freedom and restoration to be a beloved son. And if you're not living as a beloved son, you are living as a boy in the world in your smaller story. And that's just, that's just how it tends to play out. And that's when we're angry, frustrated. Well, it doesn't really matter. You're pursuing the wrong things, mm. but you think they're the right things because you're not operating out of beloved sonship when you're fully aligned with what God wants for your larger story. Use our strength to help, not hurt, to serve, not to be served, to encourage, not to demean or, or belittle. And I think in, in the context of what we're talking about, you know, who we are in God's eyes, I believe that a, a good father like yourself or myself really wants to replace himself with a younger man like him, right? And, and we want to groom our younger men to be like us uh, that can take on those traits. Yeah, and I think this is where it gets tricky, particularly living in the United States or maybe even in the Western culture in general, is there's a lot of traits of the younger brother that are celebrated in our culture, and there's a lot of traits of the older brother that are celebrated in our culture. So we can be living out of the younger brother or living out of the older brother, living out of either one of these identities and think we're getting it right and think we're killing it, like we're really crushing it. Um, so if I'm the younger brother, it's I'm living free, the world's not bossing me around, like I am enjoying every ounce of, you know, life that I can while I'm here. And the older brother's like, I am dutiful. I'm getting it done. I'm taking care of things. Both can be built into, you know, huge posers that look good in the eyes of the world and are celebrated. Neither is experiencing true freedom in their heart and living on mission for God. They just can't because they're slaves and not free. Yeah. God doesn't say, I love you for who you're trying to be, right? He says, I love you for who you are. And I think that, that that idea of I love you is something that potentially culture is quickly sucking out or or vacuuming out of of our day-to-days as well, where we can be in community and turn to others and say that we love each other and that not be something more than just purely I love you, right? I mean, he look, the Lord here is shouting that he loves who you are and that he loves you um, as his son and that he is pleased with you. Yeah, I think it really matters about What's the true north in your life? I mean, I think the invitation this week will be, as we wrap this series up, stepping back and saying, what is my true north? If my true north is not the life of Christ, if it's not allowing Jesus to live his life through me, being guided by what guides Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit, obedience to the Father, freedom, what am I really doing? And, and that's, a, that's, a, that's a challenging question to ask because it forces us to push into our different posers and push into our agendas and release control and all the things we don't really want to do. Because when we are operating from a true north we have determined, it feels really good on the one hand. But it totally lacks the power of God in our life. And so if we step back and go, what has been my true north, the way I look, the amount of money I make, the amount of women I can bed, whatever it is for you, being, being really honest with yourself about what is it you really care about and pursue, bringing that to God and saying, where does this fit into what you have for me? And then letting God speak back to you. That's where we'll, we will discover what, where am I off track in terms of being a beloved son? I love that, Jay. <clears throat> and I'm also just thinking through 
as that as an action step, another another perspective or lens we can look through to is the words that God uses. And therefore, when we say that we are in with the word, we have to be very conscious as well in all of our relationships and all of our movements as a Christian of the words that we use, right? What When you think about what the Father's main action um, during this period is, is it's God speaking, it's God presenting, and he's declaring once again that this is my beloved son. You know, and, and this is not just him just declaring and putting it on a billboard that you drive past. He's literally doing it in front of the ears of the witnesses that are watching Jesus be baptized. And more importantly, for the ears of Christ himself to remember, like we spoke about earlier. So as we, as human fathers, you know, when we think about the the words or the life that we bring into our families, into our friendships, um, we speak things into existence. And we could probably get off on a tangent here on positive thinking and positive speaking, Jay. That's not what I'm speaking about. I'm speaking about the actual speaking into existence things for our children, for our sons, for our daughters, for our wives, right? Gosh, this last week, my goodness, probably another episode. The amount of times I've said the wrong thing that has sent my wife into a, into a swirl just shows how indispensable my words can be if they're not chosen correctly, not chosen to nurture, not chosen to encourage. Um, you know, because I think as as we th- finish up this particular series, we are definitely encouraged through this word of God to Jesus, the manner of what God is calling us to do in our own kingdoms and for his glory. Yeah, that's awesome, Chica. Boy, the last couple of weeks, I seem to share in that foot and mouth disease with my wife as well. <laughs> I've set her off a few times and I'm like, wait, that was not my intention. I, I think the power of words is so, so incredibly clear in scripture. Power of our thoughts mixed with our words is so incredibly clear in scripture. And one of the great exercises I'd invite you to do as we wrap this series up is grab a piece of paper, grab a pen, sit down and two questions. God, what do you think of me? And just write it down. Just sit quietly with the Lord and write down everything he thinks of you. And then ask him a second question. God, what, how should I think about myself? If you do that exercise quietly, somewhere away from distraction, really spend some time with God, I think you'll be really shocked at what comes out on that paper. I think you'll be really heartened by what comes out on that paper. And then as Chica said, those are the things you should speak over yourself. When you find yourself saying, I'm such an idiot. No, that's not what God says about you. God says this about me. Oh, I'm such a loser. That's not what God thinks about me and not how he says I should think about myself. These are things you can hang on to and cling to and carry around with you as part of you go about your day. Let God speak life over you at all times because that's what he wants to do and that's what he is doing. Amen. Well, Jay, listeners, I'm going to pray us out here. um, And I think that Jay's just given us all something to really work on this week as we speak to ourselves and therefore to our wives, for those of us that are married, to our children, for those of us that have kids, um, and to just all of the circles in our life. So Heavenly Father, we know that you speak through Corinthians, that you say that you have become our Father in Christ Jesus through the gospel, and you urge us to be imitators of you, Lord. And so we just ask that as we step into this week, that we remember as men that we are visible examples for our sons to imitate um, as we also come alongside our 
mothers, the, the wives that we have in our lives, the lady wisdoms that we have around us, that we are just examples for our sons. And so as you have demonstrated for us, Lord, in your declaration to your son, this is my beloved son, we just ask that we remember the remarkable power and responsibility that you've given us with our words, Lord. And we just ask that your will come through our words so that we can move everybody around us closer to you and we can love just as you've loved us. We say all of this in your son Christ's name. Amen.